Thank you, Archie. We're going to turn to the book of Revelation and to chapter 4, which we are going to consider tonight. And we'll read the chapter together. We'll actually read into chapter 5. I'm not going to speak on chapter 5, but chapter 5 is part of the same vision of John that we have in chapter 4. So just for context, we'll we'll read on. So Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here. And I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders, clothed in in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder, and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind the first living creature like a lion the second living creature like an ox the third living creature with the face of a man and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight and the four living creatures each of them with six wings are full of eyes all around and within and day and night they never cease to say holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honour and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, O Lord our God, To receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals, and I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it and I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it and one of the elders said to me weep no more behold the lion of the tribe of Judah the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals, and between the throne and the four living creatures, and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. Amen. 
and we'll leave the rest of the chapter and as I said I'll not speak on chapter 5 but I thought it would, was helpful just to read on a little bit it's clear as we read this passage together um, that the centerpiece in these two chapters is a throne a throne the, the word throne appears 17, 17 times in these two chapters chapters 4 and 5 12 times in our chapter we're looking at together and 5 times in the next chapter the word throne appears 43 times in the book of Revelation so the throne in heaven or a throne in heaven is the the message tonight and what this is this passage is about and we're going to look at three things or we're going to split this chapter chapter 4 into three we're going to think first about the timing from verse 1 we're going to think about the throne from verses from verse 2 to 7 and then we are going to think about the tribute from verses 8 verse 8 to 11 timing the throne and the tribute so let's have a look firstly at timing <coughs> and you notice in verse 1 of this chapter that John writes after this at the beginning and the end of the verse after this I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said come up here and I will show you what must take place after this if you've got an authorised version it starts with after this and it, the verse finishes with the word hereafter it's the same word or the same phrase in, in Greek metatauta it's a transitional phrase and it indicates a, a time sequence and it identifies a change so we're moving on from what we've been looking at in chapters 2 and 3 the, church, the letters to the seven churches to something new to a, to a new scene and it's helpful I think for us to look at and this really points back to a verse in chapter 1 and um, in, in chapter 1 and verse 19 we have a verse which um, sort of unlocks the book of Revelation. It's a key verse and it unlocks um, to an extent the book of Revelation. It's a difficult book to understand. But I believe that verse 19 of chapter 1 um, gives us what we can say is an outline of the whole book. Chapter 1 verse 19 says this 
Uh, and the Lord is speaking to John and he says, Write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. There we have that same phrase, after this, meta tauta, hereafter, or after this. And we can break this verse into three, really. We have, John was commanded to write the things that he had seen. And that's the past. And that corresponds to chapter 1 of Revelation. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen. And he had, there, he had seen a vision of the risen Lord and he records it for us in chapter 1 then he says that he is to write those that are that's present tense and and that really corresponds to chapters 2 and 3 in the book of Revelation those things that were or were in existence at the time of John. It was the present for John. And, and chapters 2 and 3 contain the letters to the seven churches that um, we have taken lessons from in these last um, few weeks as we have considered those two chapters. And then thirdly, John was commanded to write those things that are to take place after this and this is future tense and really I would suggest to you that this corresponds to chapters 4 to 22 in the book of Revelation so I think I would suggest to you tonight that this verse is key and it helps us understand and, and gives us an outline of the book of Revelation. The things that are to take place, and what I was, I'm going to say and suggest to you is that these are yet to take place. The things that are described from chapter 6 to chapter 19 is what we can say, a, a blow-by-blow account of what will happen during the tribulation period, a seven-year period when God judges the world. Chapter 20 speaks about a millennial kingdom that will be established after the period of the tribulation. And chapters 21 and 22 describe for us the new Jerusalem the eternal state and chapters 4 and 5 are transitional and, and they move us towards that and in these two chapters we have a glimpse of heaven incidentally the word church is never mentioned in the book of Revelation after chapter 3. <clears throat> I would say that's an indication that the church is removed 
prior to the unfolding of events that are described in the book of Revelation. We haven't got time to uh, develop that further tonight. Chapter 3 of Revelation ends with a closed door where Jesus is on the outside and he is not welcomed. Chapter 4, you will have noticed, begins with a door being opened. After this I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. Now that was an invitation and in fact John heard an invitation and he said and and the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet I think that's a reference to chapter 1 said come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. So there's an open door and John says at once I was in the spirit and he was in, in, in heaven now in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 Paul tells us of himself doesn't say specifically but I think he alludes to it that he himself was caught up into heaven and he says in, in verse 2 of chapter 12 he was caught up into third heaven that's what he calls it and I think this is the same heaven that John is being caught up in here the third heaven there is the atmospheric heaven that's where we are the atmosphere we're in there is the planetary heaven and then there is the third heaven which is God's abode and that's where John was caught into the third heaven And a door is being opened in verse 1. And it's interesting, and it's, as you read through the book of Revelation, you notice that this really sets off a, a theme or a tra- trajectory, with this door being opened to heaven. And it's a trajectory that culminates in chapter 19, And in verse 11, where it says this, John says in verse 11 of chapter 19, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold a white horse, the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. That is the culmination of the door to heaven being opened in chapter 4 to heaven being opened and a white horse coming on on it and on him was the king of kings and lord of lords and he came to judge and to execute God's judgment on the earth and to triumph so that's a bit about timing and we now come to the to the I suppose the centerpiece of our passage. John says, At once I was in the Spirit. And behold, that's an exclamation. 
in our vernacular, in our language, we would maybe say, wow, that's the idea. A throne in heaven with one seated on the throne. And that's the centerpiece, the throne. Nothing is said about the throne itself. the, The throne itself is not described in this chapter, but there's a lot said about what goes on around the throne and what comes from the throne and what is before the throne and on each side of the throne. I was thinking about the word throne. Um, We we use it as a a metonym. Uh, If you don't know what that means, let me explain. We could say that Queen Elizabeth II was on the throne for 70 years. And that King Charles III ascended the throne upon the death of his mother last month. Now, Queen Elizabeth didn't sit physically on the throne for 70 years and 214 days. And King Charles didn't literally ascend the throne when she passed away. It's symbolism or it's metonymy for majesty, for rule, for dominion and for sovereignty. And that's what uh, the throne, the word throne um, indicates. However, there is an, an actual item of furniture, I believe, in the palace of Westminster called the Sovereign's Throne. And I think King Charles sat on it when he was officially proclaimed king. Um, I think so. Um, but Revelation 4 says that there is a throne in heaven, that God is on the throne. He rules the universe. He is the sovereign ruler of all. Unlike the Sovereign's throne in the palace of Westminster the throne of God is in heaven in a temple Revelation 16 verse 17 says the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying it is done a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne. So the throne of God is in the temple. And that would suggest to us that as well as recognizing his sovereignty, there is also worship to be associated with his rule. Worship. Now there are lots of passages in the Old Testament which speaks about God on the heavenly throne the psalmist says in Psalm 103 verse 19 the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all the Lord has established his throne in the heavens perhaps when you think about the throne and the song 
that we read in Revelation 4, your mind goes back to Isaiah chapter 6. And there you remember Isaiah says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. We could also think of Daniel chapter 7. There was a throne and the ancient one was seated on the throne. We could think of Ezekiel chapter 1. Again, one seated on a throne. And here in Revelation we have a very vivid vision of the throne room of heaven. I, I, I have a very poor imagination. I've got a distinct lack of imagination. I was trying to close my eyes today just thinking what it must have been like for John to have been there. You know, there there was a throne. And he who sat on the throne had the appearance of precious stones. There was rainbow, a rainbow in the appearance of an emerald. There were elders clothed in linen wearing golden crowns. There was flashes of lightning and peals of thunder, torches of fire, a crystal sea, living creatures with the appearance of an eagle, a lion, an ox and a human being. There was singing and there was casting of crowns. And that's just chapter 4. We haven't even gone into chapter 5. It must have been something else for John to have seen this. Of course he didn't have to use his imagination. He actually saw it and he recorded it for us. When John had a vision in chapter 1 of the risen Lord he fell to the ground as dead. In this vision he burst into tears in in chapter 5. So we're going to briefly going to think about the throne. And there are five um, uh, prepositions that are descri- describing the throne um, in, in these verses, verses 2 to 5. There's the one who is on the throne, verses 2 to 3. And then we read about those who were around the throne, verse 4. And then we read about what came from the throne, verse 5. Verse 5 and 6, we have what was before the throne. And then in verses 6b and 7, we have what was around and besides the throne. So five prepositions. On, around, from, before, around. And uh, we haven't got time to go through all that. But there was one who was on the throne. He's actually not explicitly identified. But it's clear from verses 8 and 9 when the four living creatures um, worship and they say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. This is the one that they were... uh, And they sing, it says in verse... Nine to the to him who was seated on the throne. It is clear that it is God who is on the throne, the Lord God. I would say it's God the Father, because as the vision moves on into chapter five, we have the Lamb, the Lion 
of the tribe of Judah separate from the one who was on the throne. So I would suggest to you that we have God the Father who is on the throne and he is worshipped. It says that he was... He had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. Around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. So we have here precious stones describing his appearance. Jasper would be like a a diamond in appearance. Carnelian or, or sardine would be a ruby red stone. And there was a rainbow around the throne in the appearance of an emerald green I believe I'm not very good at these precious stones I had to look them up Um, I'm not going to say too much about it but Jasper was the first stone in the high priest's breastplate and it's linked with Reuben the firstborn Carnelian was the last stone it's linked with Benjamin the youngest And it speaks of how God remembers his people. The rainbow would speak about God's faithfulness. We think of the rainbow and God promising that he would never destroy the earth with a flood again. The rainbow speaks of God's faithfulness. And this is the one who is on the throne, and then we have what was around the throne in verse four. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. Now there are many interpretations about who these would be. If you remember from about a month ago, when Alistair Sinclair was here, he spoke a bit about chapter four and five also suggested that these are angels um, now who, who, who am I to disagree with Alistair Sinclair I'm, I'm sure you would say I can hear you say that or think that uh, but I don't think that these 24 elders represent uh, angels and I think they're I think we can give a number of reasons for that. The word elder, presbyteros, is always used in scripture of people, either in reference to their age or or to their maturity. I don't think the word elder is ever attributed to an angelic being. It's used in reference to people. They were wearing linen, mostly associated with people. They were wearing a golden crown. Now, we don't read of angels having promises of golden crowns, but we know that we have that promise. And and Paul refers to to that, I think it's in chapter 4, of his second letter to Timothy he speaks about uh, a crown of life a crown of righteousness being laid up f- 
for him. We never read of angels being seated. 24 elders were seated on a throne. So I would suggest to you that these 24 elders represent mankind, redeemed mankind. Now, why 24? I'm just going to suggest to you that 24 is often a representative number. In um, 1 Chronicles 24, David appointed 24 elders. In 1 Chronicles chapter 25, he appointed 24 singers. So they, these were representative groups. And, and I would suggest that there were 24 and they're representing believers. And perhaps uh, maybe specifically from the church age. Some would suggest that it's 12 from the Old Testament, representing one tribe each, and 12 from the New Testament, representing the 12 apostles. We're not going to argue or fall out about that, are we? Um, so, on the throne, around the throne, and then from the throne, there was flashes of lightning. Again, we haven't got time to, to, go, to go into all this, but it, it does remind us of Exodus 19, does it not? Where we read of thunder and lightning on Mount Sinai as the Lord descended on, him, on it in fire. And, it was, and, and I think that this, we see here perhaps a precursor to the judgment that is about to happen. And, and if we read, for example, Revelation chapter 8 and verse 5, we would read that about an angel who took a censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth and there were peals of thunder, rumblings and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. And we see that here uh, as a precursor in this heavenly um, throne room. And then before the throne we have the Spirit of God seven, symbolized by seven torches of fire representing the seven spirits of God the similar wording in Revelation 1 verse 4 we know that the spirit is one but he, there is a sevenfold aspect to the spirit of God you, you may remember that in Zechariah 4 we have that uh, lampstand with the seven lamps on it and it represents the Spirit of God. And God says to Zechariah, Not by might, nor by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. And there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal before the throne. It wasn't actually a sea, it, was, it appeared like it. It was as it were. There is no sea in heaven, there is no separation, there is no restlessness. But there is a pavement stretching before the throne a pavement of glass and then around and beside the throne four living creatures heavenly beings of some rank 
That's as far as I will venture. Some think they were cherubim, guardians of God's holiness, and they link this to Ezekiel 1 and 10, and I can see that. Others think that these are seraphim, um, because they are very much like the seraphim in Isaiah chapter 6. Six wings, with two they cover their face, two their feet, and with two their, they, they, they flew. And one had the face of a lion, one an ox, one a man, and one an eagle. Perhaps representing strength, lion, service, the ox, reason, man, and speed, the eagle. <clears throat> and they had eyes everywhere. These were guardians of God's holiness. They were aware nothing escaped their attention. And that is what was around and on and from and um, beside the throne. Okay, and then we come to the final section, and time is kind of gone. I'd hoped it'd be finished by 10 to 7. <clears throat> but here we are. Despite all that could be seen around the throne, the focus turns to the one who is on the throne. And we see in verses 8 to 11, tribute being paid, praise and worship directed to him. <clears throat> and in chapters 4 and 5 in Revelation, we have five songs. We have a song in, in verse 8 of chapter 4, that's the first one. Then we have the second one in verse 11 of chapter 4, and then we have three further songs in chapter 5. We could say that we have a medley of choruses in this vision, a medley of choruses. And it's interesting to to, to look at them, and we have, we're not going to go into, we're, we're going to try not to go into chapter 5 much. Um, but we have first one song, and it's the four living creatures, and they say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. This is directed to the one who is on the throne, to God the Father. And we have four living creatures who are singing this song. And then we have the next song, and now the elders, the 24 elders. So we had a quartet. In, in, in the first song I don't know what you'd call a, a choir of 24, just a choir I suppose um, and they sing worthy are you our Lord and God it's becoming a bit more personal and it's becoming louder We've got, we had 4 singers we now have got 24 singers and then we come to chapter 5 and verse 8 and here's the third song and verse 9, and they sang, Worthy are you to take the scroll. This song is directed to the Lamb, and we've now got 28 singers. Okay, so I used to be in a choir when I was younger. There was no audition, so that's why I got in. And you didn't have to read music, and I can't read music. And I didn't know any musical terminology at all. But I learned about two music words, and one of them was crescendo. And, and I didn't know what that meant at all. 
because it's not a word we use in Faroese language, but it's a musical term, and it just means that your, your music becomes louder and louder and louder and louder. And we have a crescendo in this uh, heavenly uh, medley. So we started with a quartet, then we had 24, then we have 28 singers with instruments, because they're now playing harps. Okay, so there's musical accompaniment in heaven, there's musical accompaniment in the Old Testament, so hard to argue why we shouldn't have it in between, I would suggest to you. Um, and this is directed to the Lamb. Then in verse 12, we have the fourth chorus, again addressed to the Lamb. And now we don't have 28 singers. But he said, I looked around and I heard the throne, around the throne, and, and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb. So here we have myriads of angels joining the choir, again addressing it to the Lamb. <clears throat> and then we come to the final chorus in verse 13. And who is in this choir? And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that's in them saying to him who's on the throne and to the Lamb. So this is now a thunderous singing um, and it is addressed to the, fa- to the one who's on the throne and to the Lamb. And just a further thing we could say about this the first two songs are about creation. You created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. This, the, the last three are about redemption. You ransomed a people for God by your blood. So that's the heavenly medley, and I hope you enjoy singing, because that's what we will be doing in heaven, and uh, thankfully a lot better than we do here. But that's what they did. It was pure, unadulterated worship. And they gave glory to God. Holy, holy, holy. There was, they recognized God's absolute holiness. They recognized his unqualified deity. You are the Lord God Almighty. They recognized the permanence of his deity, who was and is and is to come. The second chorus in verse 11 has a more personal touch to it. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, for you created all things. Now, how do, how do you apply a passage like this? Um, I, not everything in Scripture, I suppose, needs an application, a personal, practical act, application. Sometimes our thoughts just have to be tra- transported and moved 
on from ourselves and onto God and I think that's what this chapter does for us and it brings us to the centre of our faith who is it? it is God what is the focus of our faith? what is the focus of Christianity? it's interesting when I was, uh, you were wat- we were watching um, the um, funeral and, and all that regarding the late Queen and and it, it was wonderful and it was in, in many ways it was quite um, simple and, and Christ focused and, and based on scripture but interesting to, to hear how and I was listening to a rabbi who was being interviewed and he spoke about their system and their religion and it made me think of the importance of us and our focus not being on a system not being on traditions not, our focus is not on Christianity itself our focus should be God let's, let's remember that as we think about this heavenly scene and this heavenly choir yes there is place for experiences and for recounting experiences absolutely but let us be occupied with God and worship him for who he is he alone is worthy of our praise and our tribute and let's bow in awe of his holiness and his majesty let's pray Father we thank you for your word and we thank you for the scene in heaven and the throne and we uh, recognize that you are the Lord God Almighty and you created all things and by your will they existed and were created Father we recognize that you are the sovereign one, you are the ruler of the universe, and we want to give you glory. You are holy, holy, holy. Father, help us to bow in awe and, and worship as we think about who you are. And we thank you that one day we will join the heavenly choir. And what a wonderful choir that will be. A choir from every tribe and language and people and nation giving praise to God and to the Lamb. We thank you for this time we've spent together now and pray that you'll bless us tonight in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.